Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Tottenham Hotspur returning to Europe's top table with a bang. We discuss Wednesday night's schooling of Dortmund, Harry Kane announcing himself on the European stage, and Pochettino Spurs coming of age, as we have the last word on Spurs in our Stoppage Time special. Son scores from an amazing angle, and Spurs have the lead, and he's done it again. Look at that, the goalkeeper beat them the near post. Gonna finish this one, yes! 3-1, Harry Kane again! What a finisher he is! Hello guys and welcome back to our brand new show where we have the last word on Spurs. You can follow us across a range of different social media platforms. We are on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram too. You should also now be able to hear the show guys on iTunes, Acast and Audio Boom. I am delighted to say joining us tonight, we have Mr Jason McGovern back on the show. Jason, how are you? Delighted to be back. Delighted to be back, eh, Jason? And what a way to be back. Yeah, finally that uh, that hoodoo goes and with some style as well. So, yep, delighted, yeah. mate. Can't wait to get right into it. And joining Jason tonight, I am delighted to say, making his debut on tonight's show, Mr. John Manning joins us. John, how are you? Hello, mate. All good. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to this. Mate, I was about I was about to say I'm pleased to be back, but I forgot <laughs> I'm forgetting it's my debut, isn't it? It is your debut. It is your debut, Gotta John. Be careful what I say, you know. <laughs> I hope you've got your decent boots on, John. Yeah, mate, we're all good. Good, good. Well, guys, where do we start? I mean, an amazing result Wednesday night. Absolute schooling, like I said, in the title of Dortmund. Jace, let's come over to you. We're going to try and do our best this evening to try and base the running order on your guys' questions out there because there have been such a great amount of questions about the game. So, Jace, starting with you, um, did last night's performance show how far we've matured as a team, in your opinion? Well, we certainly approached it in an entirely different way. Uh, I think I said on the preview show, we have to be a lot different in Europe. We have to be a lot more cute in Europe, a bit more savvy than we are in the Premier League. It was a really strange first half, wasn't it? I don't, 
I'm not not entirely sure if we were deliberately sitting off them and, and sitting deep or whether it was just a case of the players perhaps showing a little bit too much respect for them. Uh, and the fact that Pochettino changed it up at half-time shows that he wasn't totally satisfied with that first half. But what we did have was two magnificent clinical finishes. And, and um, you know, we know that we've got to be clinical in these games. You you won't play teams like that and, and create 10 or 15 chances like we've, we've done in some Premier League games. So we did that side of the we did that side of the job. And then in the second half, I thought we were we were excellent. We did press a little bit higher. And it was us that was looking to, to boss the game in the second half. And in the end, 3-1 was a thoroughly deserved result. Yeah, most certainly was. Coming over to you, John. I mean, for me, I personally described it as a Tottenham Hotspur team coming of age under Maurizio Pochettino. How did you see it, John? Yeah, I think you're right, to be fair. I think what we saw last night is uh, <clears throat> Pochettino's Tottenham finally learning how to play against an offensively strong side. I think, you know, I can see what Jay's saying, but I think, you know, it was all part of the plan. We we, we were, we did defend deep. We didn't have much possession, but we carved them open several times in each half. I think it was such a <clears throat> a mature performance and a really, it just looked, we looked like a well-oiled machine. I know they did have, you know, they did have chances, Dortmund, but I just thought we were superb all over the pitch. I thought it, it, it worked. You know, we, we couldn't have gone out and pushed up high and played a high line. Not with you know with Pulisic and the Bamiang in, in in their ranks. I think we just we played the opposition perfectly, and they only scored because they managed to pull out a worldie. Let's not forget that. Otherwise, Hugo might have had a first clean sheet at Wembley. Yeah, I mean we have this habit, don't we, John? At Wembley, we get these goals scored against us that all of them seem to be goal of the season contenders. I mean it is just simply outrageous. I mean we have to bear in mind as well that's only once in the past two seasons, Premier League only, that Tottenham have had less than forty-five percent possession, and that was against City in the two-nil win. Against Dortmund, we only had thirty-two percent. Jay, so we're seeing that Spurs we're starting to adapt our game under, aren't we, under Pochettino? Different to what we have in the yeah. past. No, exactly. You've got to find different ways to win games. And I think, you know, I think part of it, we probably did sit off a little bit. We we know how technically good they are. If you do go and high press and on that, that bigger pitch, they can play in and around you. And as John says, with the pace, I mean, Pulisic isn't just quick, is he? We're talking about lightning quick in Pulisic's case. And the same with Aubameyang. So, you know, you can't get caught out by those. And I think we made one little error, didn't we, with Davison Sanchez on the touchline where they... They burst forward and the ball got fired across. There was another fantastic interception from Yan at the back post from yet another stinging ball across. But as the the longer the game went, and particularly in that second half, we started. I, I thought we we felt quite comfortable, uh, even though we still needed that that one big save from Hugo. We weren't really hanging on at any stage, and um, you know it was it was a, a much more mature performance than than anything we've seen in Europe for a long time. Yeah, no, it really was. And coming back over to you, John, we're going to talk our way through the goal shortly. But we've had a few questions coming in terms of that first half saying, why did we get a bit of chasing that first half? We seemed outmanned. Would you go along with that in that first half? Do you think we were slowly easing our way into it? I mean, some even suggested that Dortmund took us to school in that first half. Would you go along with that, John? I, I didn't see it that way. Not at all. I really didn't. I think the plan straight away was to sit back, let them, you know, be compact, defend deep. Like I say, you, you nullify the threat of the pacing behind if you play like that. And it, the, the plan was to clearly was to play on the break. And within four minutes, we were one nil up. And because we because you know, in my opinion, you know, it seems like me and Jay, especially, have, have already we watched the game in different in different ways through different eyes. And I think we, had, you know, 
yeah, I, I can't see that. I can't see that we got scored. I saw that we frustrated them. Mm. And like I said, they they only they got a goal because they pulled out a worldie. And Yarmolenko's goal was was a like you said a goal of the season contender. But yeah, I didn't see it like that. I thought you know you can't go gung ho against these teams. You got to be a bit <clears throat> bit more clever and be a bit more disciplined. You know, pick your opportunities when they're there. Don't force it because you knew it was going to come. They they're like I don't know the German version of Liverpool. That's that. That's a, That's what I felt. Always suspect at the back. You know, you can get at them. Yeah. But if you give them space and opportunity going forward, then they'll pick you off. And we didn't give them any opportunity to do that. Yeah. And the, the odd occasion they did get in behind, we saw some great covering defending. To, um, Toby and Jan both they done one each from what I can remember, where the ball slid across and they're coming across from the other side and they've uh, averted the danger. I think we did just defended very very well and. Played, it was superb. I can't see that anyone saying we're being schooled. I, I didn't see it that way at all. Not at all. Okay, fair enough. Like I say, you're entitled to that opinion. Coming over to you, Jace. Question here. I mean, listen, has our counter attacking football ever looked so good as what it was last night, Jay? Because every time we went forward, we went forward with a purpose, with pace, and we looked like, Jace, we were going to score with every opportunity. We did go forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, Sonny, Sonny just got us off to the, the perfect start, didn't he? And you know, I've said Sonny's the one person that brings real pace into the team and, and he is able to run at defenders. And I kind of thought he'd actually take one touch too many because he'd give himself the, the shooting angle and then still wanted one extra touch but squeezed it in brilliantly. And, and you know, that's, perhaps that's that's where, had had Ali been on the pitch, perhaps Ali wouldn't have, have, have taken the game in that way. But, but the second goal was well from Kane, the strength that he showed and as uh, I think I've also said that earlier he looks to be half a yard quicker and we saw that all night that he was getting away from his man and we really should have tied that game up earlier when we had those two great chances early in that second half particularly Sonny's one where Kane had squared it to him you, you would have expected him to to tuck that away but we looked really dangerous on the break and all those people that said, you know, Tottenham need more pace in the team. Last night, that didn't look like the case at all. We, we had enough in the team. Yeah, and well, I'm sure Serge Aurier helped in terms of that pace. We're going to come on to the likes of Kane, Aurier, Sanchez in a little while. But going back to the opening goal that Jason's touched upon, John, Hummin Son, that's his seventh goal now against Borussia Dortmund in the last nine competitive games. Seems to love to play against them. But just a bigger question on Son, John. Um, can we justify leaving him out when everybody is available to us? I think it's it's a case, it's still a case for of horses for courses. To be honest, I think maybe if Delhi was fit, I don't know. Maybe maybe he would have played still, and it would have been a four-two-three-one. But I think the way that you know, bearing in mind the opposition, I think it was it was. I'm not saying he would have dropped Delhi and played Son in the first place, but when you're talking about leaving him out. It's not. It's not as simple as that. A lot of it depends on the opposition, and we've seen with Pochettino, especially over the past eighteen months or so, that he's becoming a bit more malleable and a bit more. You know, it'll change. He'll have a game plan for different opponents because he's got a better squad and he's able to do it. And Son is a massive part of that. But yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's the case of that, mate. Honestly, I think you know, come come Saturday, we'll see Delhi and Sonny on the pitch. Okay. So you know, different game, different opposition. We're going to play probably a slightly will play higher up the pitch and it'll be just as important but in a slightly different role on Saturday than he was uh, on Wednesday yeah sticking with you John for a second we spoke about the coming of age of this young team I mean for me personally I saw so many leaders out there Wednesday evening the likes of Hugo Lloris Toby Adeverald Jan Vertonghen I mean those two at the back were amazing Harry Kane John are we starting now to see that 
everybody's questioning the past. Spurs, they don't have any guys in the team when the going gets tough to turn a game. I mean, let's be honest, John, we've found it hard at Wembley. Is there now people coming forward that maybe in the past necessarily weren't to show, no, we can start handling ourselves now on the big stage and getting these big results in Europe, John? Because I think, to be fair, this was a game last night you felt if we... You know, we wanted to progress in the competition. We had to win this one, John. I think a lot of that, maybe the coming of age thing and, you know, being leaders and stuff comes to do with the fact that it comes from the fact that these players have been together for a while now. And I think there's that more of a, that much more of a bond. They look after each other maybe a little bit better than than teams in the past. And, and they're, they're like, they're just, they're proper men, aren't they, these, this team? You know, when you have, like, you had Marco Asensio missing out for Real Madrid because he shaved his legs and got an infected pimple. That ain't happening at Tottenham Hotspur, mate. We look after each other there. The boys, I think, what it is, is you've got a group of players there that clearly love playing together. Regardless of what team is for, they love playing together and they look after each other. It seems a little bit like, I don't want to get too excited, Rick, because you know what I'm like. Yeah, I know, John. Is, We're the same, It's the best we? group yeah. of players. Yeah, we are. It's the best group of players I've ever seen. Play for play for our team, and uh, they're just. Uh, I'm trying to get over it. Last night, I feel as elated as I did, maybe in a slightly different way. But after the Inter game in 2010, it was as big for me last night because there was just all right. Dortmund are not the reigning uh, Champions League winners like Inter was at the time and stuff. But you know, you're talking about a team that they're top of the Bundesliga. They've not conceded a goal. They scored a few. We've had troubles at Wembley, and then all of a sudden, all 11 of them, they just stand up, be counted, and we smashed them. Yeah. I loved it, mate. It was great. Yeah, just, just on that, I think as well, it's, it's, it's partly the maturity of that team. You know, when we, if you go back to two years ago when we finished third, it was, it was kind of like a novelty. We were saying, you know, as supporters, well, we're in a title race, and, and probably the players thought, this, you know, they weren't expecting necessarily to be in that title race. And you followed that up last year. But the, the Champions League was kind of a novelty to us, wasn't it? Even though the players had obviously worked hard to get into it. We, you know, we're all rushing. We want to hear the music. The players are all talking about, we want to be on this stage. Whereas now you're into it again and you finish second. I think this time the players, there's that feeling of, right, it, it's not a novelty anymore. We do deserve to be here. And it's time we showed we deserve to be here. And so, you know, there's that maturity and expectancy in amongst the players where they're now looking around that dressing room saying, look, we are a serious team and we have to start delivering. And I think that's the big difference. They're not just happy to be where they are. They ex fully expect to be where they are. And that's a, a big mental difference. Yeah. And Jase, you talk about players delivering. There's no one delivering more at the moment than Harry Kane. And I have to say, Jase, one of the guests that listened to the show last week uh, kind of picked up on your point. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Said, I know what he's um, going to say. Well, he said, <laughs> do you want to reconsider your choice, Jase, about saying Harry Kane isn't world class? But I think... You correct me if I'm wrong. You meant that in the context, though. World class. It has different meanings, doesn't it? Do you want to elaborate on that point? Well, well, I just think for for everybody, probably has a different view of of what world class is. Um, you know, when I, I think of world class players as being Maradonas and Platinis and people like that that could literally walk into any team of any era and get in that side. Um, but I said, you know, it's it's not a negative way of Harry. He's he's right at the top class. You know, would I try and swap him with anyone in Europe? Would I swap him for Lewandowski? No. Would I swap him for Benzema? No. Would I swap him for Cavani? No. Uh, would I compare him to Higuain? I'd say to have Kane. So, you know, I'll accept he's at that level. And if people say, well, that makes him world class if he's better than everyone else in the world at the moment, 
then he is world class. But for me, you know, I think a world class player is as, as literally exceptional players like like Zidane was. Um, players like that is, is what I class as as, as a world class player. So for me, would I put Harry Kane over any striker of the last twenty years? Type of thing, I probably wouldn't. I probably would find one like a Van Basten that was better. But that's that's not meant in any criticism of Kane. And I fully accept people will say at the moment. He's as good as a, as any striker around. Yeah, John, come over to you. I mean, for me, he's looking deceptively strong and quick at the moment with a, a dead eye finisher. I mean, Joe, I think we're from the same breed, aren't we? That growing up, I think this is what we've craved. When you look at teams in the past, they had the likes of the Shearers at Newcastle. We've all wanted this kind of player to really look up to, someone to be proud of leading the line, and we've got that in Kane, haven't we? I mean, he's just John. I'm running out of superlatives for him. Give me some, <laughs> please. Give me some. First of all, I want to defend Jay because two weeks ago, not even the media was saying, you know, he's a striker in crisis. He couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. And this morning, apparently, he's too good to play for Spurs well. after last night. After last night, so listen, we get fed this narrative from all the media outlets, and you know, you can spend a little bit too much time listening to these people. I know I've been guilty of it in the past, <laughs> but you know, I, what Jay's just said there is right. He is right, but Harry's well on his way to being one of them players that we do look back on, I believe, and maybe will be, you know, spoken of in the same, you know, bracket as Maradona and Zidane and the players that Jay's just said. But getting back to your question, I just, i, I got so much love for the man. Honestly, I'd echo Jay again. I wouldn't swap him for anybody. You know, the fact that he's as good as he is and he, and he loves the same club as we do and he plays for him. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. It's, he's a bit of a throwback, really, in that sense, I feel. You know, you don't get you don't get much loyalty out of players now, and you don't get much loyalty from fans towards players now either. To be perfectly honest, but yeah. with Harry Kane, you know, he's a complete exception to everything that I've just said. He's 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 hopefully he'll be a one club man forever. And if I could tie him down to, to Spurs forever, if there was one player in our squad, you could say to me, right, one player will never ever leave, then I'd pick him every day of the week. Yeah. It's hard, John, because you don't want to get bought into this fact that you end up loving a player. Because I think any Spurs fan, the last 10, 15 years, we've all done it. With you know, I go back to the likes of Berbatov, King, King. I mean, King's obviously an exception because obviously, like I say, he is that one club man. But you end up kind of, you know, being bought into this fact, you know, footballers and loyalty and stuff. And we all want that for Kane. We want him to stay at Spurs. And John, I mean, the question out there. Let's ask you, John. Do you think he's world class? In your opinion? I do. Yeah. I mean, when if you if you say, you know, take someone who we, whose stats we can compare him to at the moment. We've all seen the Cristiano Ronaldo yeah, comparison well, this morning, yeah. where Ronaldo was it tw- uh, twenty-seven games, twenty-nine goals for Harry Kane. Ronaldo thirty games, twenty-nine goals. So Kane has got a better ratio. But then you look at the fact that even with Kane, he scored six goals in his last four games of club and country. I mean, he's got the best goals per game ratio of any players in Europe's top five leagues in 2017 and he's the first Englishman John since Wayne Rooney to score three successive Champions League games I mean can the guy do anything more John to dispel the myths out there that he's not world class because I'm struggling to to see it to be honest with you do you know what the difference is it's a generational thing Ricky because you you see 22 years ago when Alan Shearer was winning the league for Blackburn Mm. as a neutral you could appreciate his talent and you wouldn't be backwards in coming forwards about saying so nowadays the Twitter generation rule the footballing world, and if he do- and if he doesn't play for their team, he's muck, and yeah. you can't change people's opinion. Of course. And these people that work within the media, you know, whose opinion we trust, 
you know, they've all got their their own, you know, they all got their own teams that they support, and they'll pull in certain directions when it comes to certain topics. And it, this ain't no different. The difference is, we would talk about it in the playground at lunchtime. Why oh, did you see Shearer's goal for Blackburn or for Newcastle or whatever? Yeah, weren't it great? Now we don't. Them conversations don't happen anymore. It's all on social media, and because you know Toby twenty nine from Barnsley says he's shite, then he is. You, that's just the way. That's just yeah. the way it is. I think if you if you was to take the social media influence out of it, it probably would be fairly similar to how, to how it used to be. Like I was saying, you know, about how yeah. we would talk. You know, I, I always, I was, I always used to like um, Dennis Bergkamp, but I wouldn't admit that now on social media. No, of course if, you would. If he was playing for Arsenal now, you get pelts, wouldn't you? You yeah. get exactly. Yeah, and it's just it, that's that's what it is, mate. He's he's it, cost nothing. He's a world-class striker, potentially, and everyone else who, you know, if you don't support Tottenham, you're jealous that he doesn't play for your team. It's as simple as that. Because yeah. why else would the Arsenal fans keep recycling that picture of him as a nine-year-old or whatever he was? Well, exactly. He's like I say, the guy. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Yeah. I, if if that was if it, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd be gutted, mate. If Harry Kane was banging thirty goals in a season for Arsenal, <laughs> but he was pictured in a Tottenham shirt at nine years old, I'd be gutted and I'd be pissed off at my club for letting him go. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, John. I think you have hit the nail on the head. Uh, Jace, want to come over? Think, to, wanna, go on, Jace. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I think John's right. The, the age that you live in, and I think in Twitter land as well, I think, you know, if you don't sit here today and say he's world class, you'll have people saying, well, you don't rate him. And you think, no, that's not what I've said. I've, I've, I've said he's, he's right top class and I wouldn't swap him for anyone. But that doesn't mean to say I think he's world class. And, you know, whilst the numbers are really impressive and... Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to do Harry Kane down, but you'll have people at the moment saying he's world-class, but those same people, or some people, will say Wayne Rooney, record goal-scorer for England, record goal-scorer for Man United, isn't world-class. And and that's that's my problem with it. And and I, I don't think Rooney was ever world-class. But, you know, Rooney did it for how many years? What's that? 12, 13 years or whatever. And it's, it's the record goal-scorer for his country and club. But, but isn't classed by a lot of people as world class. And and that's the problem. It, it doesn't mean you don't rate the bloke just because you're saying, to me, he's not world class. But as I say, I mean, I, I wouldn't swap him for anyone in the game today out there. And, and that whether he's world class or not, mate, I'm just happy he's playing for us, yeah. happy he's scoring goals, and long may it continue. Yeah, long I think if, continue. I could, if I could Go jump on. in, sorry. Yeah, of course. The, with the, the Rooney comparisons, and I'll get completely what Jay's saying, the difference with Rooney is that he took a hell of a long time to get them to their milestones. And don't get me wrong, scoring two and a half hundred goals for Man United and 50 for England is amazing. But, you look at, you know, only Alan Shearer reached 80 Premier League goals quicker than Harry Kane. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, if you're talking about goals per game for England, then Jimmy Greaves is the best ever, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. 40, yeah. 44 yeah, yeah. and 51 or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and the other thing is as well, Jay, you know what I mean? You've seen... Uh, Peters, Chivers, Archibald, Crooks, Lineker, and that in their prime. I'm, I'm, I'm looking back at Stefan Everson, Chris well, Armstrong. Exactly, just same, <laughs> similar to me here. Yeah. And so, is, yeah. and so, Harry Kane. Maybe I, I don't <laughs> think I am making him out to be better than he is because his, well, his stats don't lie. He's, exactly. He's, you know what I mean? His numbers don't lie. But I, I've, I've got less to compare him to than you have. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we could sit here all into about Harry Kane. Listen, we love the bloke. 
we want him to continue scoring. I'm sure, like I say, also, we're going to see him continue doing that. I want to move on, guys. Going to come round to you, Jace. Christian Eriksen didn't have a great game last night. But, again, I have to point it out there. Another assist. That's now 20 assists in all competitions in 2017. Seven more than any other player in Europe's top five leagues. Jace, Christian Eriksen, what did you make of his performance last night very quickly? Well, whilst it wasn't necessarily as dominant, I think, you know very difficult to be that in a Champions League game, but almost every single chance that we got, almost everything positive that we did in the game, still came through him, didn't he? He was involved in Kane's goal, both the Kane goals. It was him, I think, that set Kane through for the shot. It was just, you know, everything we did in the game still still kind of revolved around him. It was that wonderful bit of skill, wasn't there, with him and Aurier. It, it, you know, to me, whilst he wasn't a, a 10 out of 10 Christian Eriksen, it was still a more than acceptable performance from him, that's for sure. Yeah. Quick word from you, John and Ericsson, before we move on to Oria. What's your thoughts on uh, Ericsson's performance last night, John? I thought he did all right. I thought he was—he had to be more, you know, he had to do more defensive work than I suppose he'd like to. But he did it well. I think he was busy. You know, he, he even won a header with five minutes left on the clock. <laughs> but yeah, no, he, I think he, yeah, mate, it, all of them did all right without any anyone being like an like an eleven out of ten. I, I can see why people are saying, oh, he had a quiet game, but. He was he was just as effective as anyone else. Ultimately, he got an assist. You know what I mean? That that made a big difference, obviously. And I thought I thought he was good. I thought that just he was a big part of the way we played. You yeah. know what I mean? Some of some of his better work was in our defensive third. You know, like like uh, Jason said. That's well, you thing, just said, you know, the link-up with yeah. Aurier. I think the thing, John, you've hit the nail on the head there, that sometimes you don't realise the amount of work players do off the ball. You know, I mean, you always get kind of, you know, caught up in the moment of what they're doing on it. But sometimes, to keep the shape, when you're having to defend for a long period of possession, that is a skill in itself, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. everyone can be great with the ball, but it's also about how good you are without it in terms of being compact, stopping a team from playing. John, want to stick with you for one second. Let's have your thoughts on Aurier, Serge Aurier, debut for Tottenham last night. I think for me personally, he grew into the game. What was your thoughts on him, John? Um, Kyle who? <laughs> Please expand. <laughs> go, go for it. Expand for us. Oh. I thought he was superb. I think he he slotted in immediately. He just I I thought it was one of the best debuts I've seen for a long time. I think he, he looked he didn't look like a brand new player. I think that's the key thing for me. He didn't look like it was like his first game. He looked like he'd been there a while, and he was just as big a part of that defensive display masterclass. I would call it in fact than uh, any of the others. I think he was really good. And if last night's anything to go by, Mister Levy has done it again. Yeah, twenty-three million quid. You know what I mean? We've got we've we've got a, a right back now who's three years younger than one the one we've sold. He's cost thirty million pound less. You know, I do. I feel sorry for Kieran Trippier in all this. Don't get me wrong. Oh, don't. Yeah, as, this is it, as, as, a, as a fan who who wants to see. You know, let's not. I know people won't talk him up as a marquee signing, but he is a marquee signing, and he'll be a, he'll be a top player for us, I'm sure. Fingers crossed. Jace, coming over to you. Coming in. Serge Aurier, what are your thoughts on him? And also, very quickly, Jace, I had your thoughts going through my mind last night of Gamecraft and his dummying in his own box. I mean, that's confidence <laughs> on the lad. But you tell me what you thought of that. Yeah, I'm not so sure I'd want to see that too often, but what an outrageous dummy it was. I mean, well, how he even thought about doing that. I mean, I've seen some dummies in my time, but never quite one as outrageous as that. But In your own box, in your own box, in, Jace. In your own box. But then, you know... Immediately after the dummy, the, the way he just uh, bursts forward on his right foot, takes it round one bloke, cuts him field, and then it's a fantastic through ball with his left foot. 
So, you, you know, you're seeing a two-footed player as well. And as John said, I thought I thought the first 10 minutes, he looked a little bit perhaps ring rusty, 15 minutes or so. thought mm, a couple of crosses came in from that side. and But as the longer the game go, the went on, he got more into it. And uh, a couple of fantastic blocks in that second half. And you could see him using his his big game experience and things as, as the longer it went on. And it, no, it was a excellent debut and, and the pace and power looks uh, looks something we'll definitely be able to utilise, that's for sure. Yeah. Coming over to you, John, I think you just mentioned it there about Trippier. In your opinion, John, Aurea for you, is he going to be a first choice? Or again, is it down to opposition who we're playing? What's your thoughts? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Trippier was to start next time we play a back four. But at the same time, I think it's... it's... <laughs> If Aurier goes on to be more consistent and better than Walker, then it is going to be tough for Trippier. But on the other hand, you know, he might have been promised a number two shirt and a pay rise, and he's happy with that. I'm, I ain't being funny. Being a bit part player's got him an England cap. So he's, he's doing all right when he's been given the opportunity. I think it's just it's good for the squad. It's good for the manager to have these options. Ultimately, it's good for us. I think, you know, he, he's just got a new five-year deal, Trippier. So he must have known that there was, the plan was to bring someone through and it wouldn't be Walker-Peters. Mm. So he'd bring someone in, and it wouldn't be Walker Peters that he'd be competing with. But uh, it's what an option to have. That's that's the thing. Now you, the same on the left hand side. And I, and by the way, Davies was superb at uh, wing back last night. Yeah, we're going so we to be easy for Rose. Uh, yeah, either. We're going to come on to Davies shortly. But Jason, sticking for one second with Oria, your thoughts on it? Because Trippier all summer seems to have spoken about the fact that he's relishing his opportunity now of really making that right back spot his own, and you just feel that really. I mean, based on the opposition that Oria was up against last night, you know, he he really did grow into that game. So you would find it very hard to think that you know we've worked so hard on this guy for a lot of that summer with the whole work permit and the issues around it for him not to be Spurs' first choice. You would find that quite hard to believe. How does this leave Trippier in your mind, Jace? Or do you go along with John that he's happy with being, you know, second choice and pay rise? What's your thoughts? Well, I think John's John's probably right. It, it, not so much that he's happy to do it, but I think he understands his role in the side. Um, but it, it's up to him, isn't it? You know, when he when he gets games, he has to make the most of it. He, he was excellent at Everton himself. I think Aurier probably, if we were picking a side and it's it's Arsenal at the weekend or Man United, not Swansea, we're playing. You probably would want to see Aurier in it, but we know from from Pochettino, he does rotate those fullbacks a lot, and I think Kieran Trippier probably knows he'll still get twenty games or so over the course of the season to to put his shift in, and 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 I think John's right; he's more than happy and acknowledges that's his role in the squad. Yeah, fingers crossed, John. Come around to you for one second. Uh, question here from Jay Bear, who says, "Any truth in the hundred million bid from City already for Aurier?" <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would surprise you, would it, mate? Eh? Wouldn't surprise at all. I'd give it, give it eighteen months or oh, so. Don't. And I, I reckon it might be incoming. God, bear in mind it's choking us all summer to get in through the door, John. Alan, we've tracked him. Nothing would surprise me in this game. But just to finish up on Pochettino's quotes on Aria, he said Serge was fantastic and showed the quality we saw in him when we signed him. So I think he's fairly impressed by that Champions League performance. Guys, let's move it on then to the performances of Jan Vertonghen and um, Toby Alderweireld. Jay's going to start with you. I think both of these guys last night. I mean, you talk about, we said earlier about leaders stepping up. I mean, the amount of, you know, interceptions both of these guys made. And look, I throw Sanchez into that as well. He's growing. He's 21 years old. But, Chase, we've got we've got some defence now, haven't we? We really have got to keep hold of these guys. Well, I, you're right. I thought the two the two Belgian boys were just outstanding. Toby, particularly, was yeah. 
was immense. I, I can't remember anyone getting beyond him or him losing a tackle, losing, missing out on an interception. I can't remember him putting a, a foot wrong. It was it was a stunning performance. Um, obviously, we I think we're all disappointed with Jan's Jan's uh, red card at the end. I can, you know, I thought Gotza was pushing him in the back at the time, and he's put his arm out. But I don't think any of us probably think it's a, a it was a a red card. But I can kind of quite. You know, in a weird way, I can see why the referee thought it was worthy of a yellow, and having already got a yellow, it has to become red. You know, but he wasn't sent off for that. It was just a second yellow for that. But uh, that apart, Jan's, Jan's excellent, wasn't he? I mean, some of his positions that he was in, there was times when he was so far forward, as well as Davis being far forward, uh, particularly in that second half. And um, no, the, the two of them, as you say, sort the contract out and, and keep the pair together. Yeah, fingers crossed. John, coming in, what's your thoughts on this um, this defensive duo? I mean, not forgetting Sanchez as well, who was uh, also last night thrown into this game. I think they're just they're just perfect, didn't they? I think that back three, the three centre halves last night, it just worked so well. You got, you know, Davinson Sanchez, who was who was there in the middle because he's the quickest, you'd say, of the three of them to directly combat the threat of Aubameyang. Then you got Toby to one side; he, he made the most. Um, passes then you got Jan the other side who made the third most amount of passes in the team Sanchez made the tenth most amount so when you're looking at it like that Sanchez was there for one job and one job only and it's it's the the job of Vertonghen and Alderweireld to do what they what we know they're good at doing which is being comfortable on the ball being able to bring it out being able to play the right pass at the right time and I think the fact that that they both played so much at fullback for Belgium is really bearing fruit for Tottenham now. And what I mean by that is they are comfortable, you know, wider of the uh, wider of the 18-yard box. They're not like fish out of water being out there because because they played in them positions before. They're used to it. They're comfortable with it. And I think that for a right and a left-sided centre-back in a three, there there ain't any better in the world. I don't think at the moment. Not that immediately spring to mind that uh, uh, you know that played that that formation regularly I just thought they were solid like I said before it was a worldie again otherwise it's a clean sheet yeah and it, it, they're, them three and, the, and the, the wing backs the two in front of them don't forget Dyer and Dembele were superb as well I thought and uh, it, it did made it, it made it easier for the defence but they all worked hard and got their just rewards at the end with a victory they were superb, mate. Superb. Yeah, Jase. I don't want to trigger off another world class debate, but I have had the question on Toby Alderweireld. World class. <laughs> Be careful, Jase. Be careful. I don't, well, yes, say, yes. <laughs> again, a bit like Kane. I'm struggling to find another defender that I'd I'd want in the team in front of Toby Alderweireld. So, if that makes him world class, he is. But world class means Franz Beckenbauer or something. But you know, that, that, that's just a different thing. But no, as I say, he's immense for us. You know, let's let's get that contract sorted, and and make sure that he's there for you know another three or four years on top of what he is at the moment. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, let's move on. Let's come back around to you, John. I think you mentioned it earlier. There was a question I said last week, or a question more of a statement, um, and that was when are we going to start paying Ben Davis what he's worth? And I feel like I've got to ask the same question again because John, at the moment, I mean, you got to say Davis, he is earning his money, and I'm going to say it. Is Danny Rose going to find his way back into this team as easy as maybe what he originally thought, John? <laughs> well, you got to say no. I mean, the, f- the fact is, I think that if you're talking about games played between the two left-backs over the last three years, it's got to be somewhere near 
surely. You know, and I know that Rose has been injured a fair few times in that time, but I don't, I don't expect him to walk, you know, to walk straight back into the team because it, it's not like he's being covered by someone who is a lot weaker than him in, in that position. And I've got to thank Ben Davis for providing me the highlight of the night last night. When Harry Kane's put the ball from his right foot onto his left, just as he's about to score our third goal, Ben Davies is on the penalty spot calling for the ball. <laughs> and what made me laugh there is the fact that he's that far forward in the first place. And secondly, <laughs> as if Harry Kane's going to square it to him for the left back to have a tap in. That was unbelievable. He's He's been superb. Like, against Everton, he was he was really, really good. Last night, I thought, again, he was, he was awesome. Yeah. And I think that, it's again, it's the same on the other side. It's just... Headache for the manager, he's good for the club, he's good for us. So long may it continue. Yeah, we want all these dilemmas. Coming across to you, Jace, some are saying, you know, when are, when are the haters going to start piping down on Ben Davies? The guy's a class act. Jace, in your opinion, is he a class act? Well, we're certainly lucky that he's he's come in and covered for Rose, isn't he? That's for sure, because we haven't... We are, we are getting to the stage where you miss that dynamism Danny Rose gives you, but... But Ben Davis is improving constantly in there. And as John said, the fact that he's alongside Harry Kane when Harry Kane scores, you know, people say he doesn't take up the, the positions that Danny Rose does. But there's a prime example. He's on the penalty spot and he's so far advanced. He had a really decent shot, didn't he? At one stage, drew a fantastic save on the keeper. And I think it's just his delivery into the box is improving. His confidence is improving. I think the, the confidence the other players must have in him they they must be able to feel it and sense it that we're not necessarily weaker in that position and you know that's just keep going just keep that form going and, and Danny Rose will have a battle but and that's what you want him you don't want Danny Rose to be in a position where he just wanders back into the team not because of of what went on in the summer with what he said you just don't want that complacency that thinks as soon as I'm fit I'm back in the team no and like I say, I mean, he's going to have to fight for his place now. He really is. Just want to say, guys, very quickly, on Jan Vertonghen, just to go back to him for a second, I think many are asking about the situation over the appeal. Um, just to make it clear, Spurs cannot appeal that. It was a second yellow. He will miss the game against Applewell. We'll be back for Real Madrid. We'll be interested to see also, Jace, if Danny Rose will be in contention for Real Madrid. And then we will see if Pochettino does have that dilemma to make, Jace. Well, none of us really know no. quite where Rose is in his comeback, do we? I mean, Not uh, at the moment. when is that? It's the middle of October. What is it middle of October, isn't it? And then the first of November. So, yep. you know, we're still a we're still a, a month away from from that Madrid game. We don't we don't know where Danny Rose will be, but certainly Danny Rose, you would think, has got to have two or three Premier League games before you before you start throwing him into the Bernabeu, that's for sure. Well, you would think so, yeah. Completely agree with you on that. John, let's come back around to you. Just a question, generally, back to the game, John. Um, this is from Helena, who says, did we finally lose that Wembley curse by the win on Wednesday? Big statement, isn't it, to make. Is that is that win enough, John, to kind of push us over that line now of this psychological hurdle in regards to Wembley? Well, I mean, we'll find out, won't we? I mean, the thing is, it was the perfect way to start three home games in a week purely because it was the most difficult one on paper we've got Swansea and Barnsley now so if we end up with three wins in a week then the word hoodoo will be officially banned from, from Wembley and it'll that will be done with I think we will then crack on and have a good season at home so I, I just I, it annoys me that it's become a thing but today you know like Jim White on TalkSport today oh, he's yeah. now talking about mm. Delhi Alley's agent because the hoodoo thing's done now We've won, so what else can we ever go at Spurs for? So, I don't know, we'll sell some of their players for them again. Mm. And 
it, it's, it's, it's stupid, but I, I, I don't think there was a hoodoo anyway. I, you know, I, I didn't miss the European game last season. <clears throat> I was at the Burnley game, um, home game this season, and we, it was just that little bit of, you know, Jay's favourite word. It's just that bit of game craft at crucial times, and it all came together last night. So hopefully that's it. And uh, Helena, please don't use the, the hoodoo word again. <laughs> well, to be fair to her, I think I use the word hoodoo. She used the word curse. So you you determine what's worse, John. But hopefully both of them shouldn't come up again. Um, I just want to uh, pick well, up. Go on, John. Sorry. Uh, ask ask Emmanuel where did buy or he'll tell you the difference. Oh God, the old voodoo. <clears throat> That's all we need, John. Um, Bit let's... of juju, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back around to you, Jay. I mean, John did mention there about Delhi Alley, and listen, we don't like talking about paper talk or rumours, but I hate to say this coming to you, Jay. I, I do feel there is this element of truth that Delhi, you know, rightly or wrongly, will be looking for a Supremo agent. And listen, that doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to force a move, but Jay, he is one of the hottest properties on the map. Listen, he wasn't playing against Dortmund. Of course, it will improve any squad he's in. We have to keep our eye on that, Jace, don't we? We'd be silly if we just kind of dismissed that as just a rumour because it is believable. No, if you was an agent in the game, you'd definitely be trying to sign him up yourselves, of wouldn't course. you? Yeah, this and, is... and it is no surprise to see the likes of Raiola and Mendes and Kia Jurabjians or whatever linked with him because they are linked with all the big players. But we can't worry about that. You know, if, if anything happens, it will be next summer. So, you know, we've played, what, four Premier League games. There's another 34 games to go before we have to start worrying. Before we have to start worrying. And he is on a, he's still got five years to run. So no matter how much he, he's, he's agent that push and push and push, you know, it, it's still in the club's power to, to, you know, to control things at the moment. So if he does sign with one of them, you just have to accept that. And, and probably, you know, he as, as your players go up in profile, there may be the day that Harry Kane's agent gets, you know, the heave-ho and he becomes one of those players. But you can't, you just can't afford to worry about those things too much and let them bother you. Just enjoy the time the bloke's got, get on with the next 34 games and then we'll see where we are if a bid comes in for him. Yeah. I mean, and we are seeing also, Jace, just very quickly, we are seeing clubs start, well, clubs starting to take back some power now. We look at the likes of Virtual Van Dyke. Um, we see, obviously, Alexis Sanchez down the road. And we even see, dare I say, I mean, this summer, you know, Eric Dyer. There's no doubt. I'm sure Man United did push very hard for him. Spurs were, you know, adamant he wasn't going. He stayed. So let's hope we can do the same over Deli Alley. He's a fine young player. And if you ask me, I'll be honest with you, and said, who is the superstar at this club? And listen, Harry Kane is, a, for me, he is world class. But Deli Alley, for me, there is something so special about him that you can see him, I hate to say it, playing at a Real Madrid or Barcelona. Of course I want to see him stay at Spurs. Of course I want us to be able to fulfil all of his ambitions here. And fingers crossed we can. So hopefully that, like I say, that puts it in that one. Um, John, we're going to go back to the game on Wednesday night. Um, we're being asked about the formation, John. Do you think there's a possibility that we'll carry on playing that way? Or will that just be for the Champions League? And I think they're referring to question-wise on that in terms of letting the opposition have a lot more of the ball and us soak us up, hit on the counter-attack. I think we will see it again. Like I said earlier, I think, you know, against sides like Liverpool, we were good going forward and a, a speedy going forward and, you know, not so good at the back. I think I think we'll definitely see it again. I think, you know, if you if, you, if we'd have played that way and we'd had the players available that we had last uh, on Wednesday when we played at Anfield last season, you know, it, you look back at that game and you think Davies was um, exposed and Dyer was at centre-half and... <clears throat> on on excuse me, <clears throat> my throat's still knackered from last night. I, don't I, know I can hear, I can tell, just a little bit. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, when you, you look back at games like that and you think, oh, if only 
you know, maybe we could have tried it then. But I think he seems to have, he, obviously, he's tried it on Wednesday and it's worked. And I, I can, it will definitely happen again. I think, you know, me and Jay were talking privately earlier and saying about, you know, how we might play against Real Madrid. And I don't think there's any right way to play against Real Madrid, well, yeah. to be honest. I mean, you play like that and you're, you're you know, <clears throat> you're drawing them in and making them come towards to, to come towards your goal. Or you play a higher line and you're just going to get picked off. But... It, it, we'll see it again without a doubt and I think that now we've now you know the transfer window shut and we've done our business the fact that two massive parts of our victory against Dortmund were Aurier and Sanchez who weren't there at the, at the season's kickoff I think you know the fact that they're there now means we can do it if you think you know we got the, the league's best defence last season and then we go and spend what was it best part of 60 million on two defenders it raised eyebrows but mm-hmm. it's definitely it, you know it's allowed us to, to play in a different way and it clearly didn't affect how lethal we were going forward like, uh, last night, did it? So, yeah, I can see it happening again. Yeah. Jay, you want to come in that quickly? What's your thoughts on that one in terms of formation about Premier League games? If that's going to be looking to be changed at all or keep kept the same? Well, I think John's right. It, there'll, there'll come games, I'm sure, Liverpool, the way that that Salah and Mane use their pace where you think, OK, got to defend a little bit deeper. Manchester City type of set up where, we, let's be fair, we got overrun, didn't we, at Manchester City last year. So I, I think we will see that that type of thing in, in certain games. Um, you know, last night, it kind of felt like, a, I think I made the point earlier, that it, it, it kind of felt like a Chelsea-Spurs game in that we were quite able to sit behind the ball and play on the break. And we almost did to Dortmund what Chelsea have come to Wembley, what, twice in the space of four months and done exactly that to us. And so I, th- I think we will see it quite possibly. It was really good to to play that way, get a positive result before Madrid, because if you if you'd have tried to play that way in Madrid and, and the players think, well, we've we've tried this once before at home to Dortmund and got ripped apart, <laughs> it doesn't exactly inspire them to to have confidence to go to Madrid and do it. So you know, the psychologically, if if that's how we do go to Madrid, at least they've played that way once and seen, do you know what, we can get a result this way. So that, that's important. Yeah, indeed. And it's great to see, isn't it, the option there, because down the years, Spurs haven't always had the ability or the option to go to a plan B, a plan C, where now we've got the likes of Lorente coming off the bench. You know, we can interchange throughout a game, back three, back four. It's fantastic to have a modern-day thinking manager that can change a game. And we're seeing Pochettino as well being a bit more free with his selections and the way he likes to operate in games, which, is again, it's fantastic to see. I'm going to cut back around to you, John. A couple of questions here on attendance and atmosphere. Roll it into one for us, John. What did you make of both of those aspects of Wednesday night? Well, the atmosphere was all right where I was. I mean, I've seen other people say this, say differently. And I must admit, I was at the other end of the ground last season for the Champions League games. And uh, I, I felt it was a bit flat. And then I've seen other people last season saying the atmosphere was decent. So, I think the attendance didn't surprise me, I don't think. I think that, you know, if if we'd have won, I know this is how fickle football fans are, but because we were going into this game on Wednesday still without a home win this season, that definitely affected it, you know, and I think that's what it was. I think if you look at the way the way uh, things were at the when the Champions League started last season, we'd had a, a fairly decent start to the league campaign. We were doing all right and it does bring more people out and more people will think, um, instead of watching it on the TV, they'll come out and they'll... Uh, They'll get involved in the atmosphere and bump the attendance up. It was there. People weren't 
you know, they didn't yeah. get there in time, which didn't help because you know you've seen what what the what the stadium looked like at kickoff. There was a load of red seats, which did gradually disappear in the in the lower parts of the stadium. Yeah. But now, you know, the team have given the fans something to be excited about. I'm expecting. I mean, you'd expect the attendance against Real Madrid to be higher anyway. Mm. But yeah, no, it was it was about it was sixty seven thousand, wasn't it? So same as it was for Moscow last season. So there's that drop off I was talking about. We yep. started the league season last last season better, so we had eighty odd thousand for the first two, and then it dropped to to sixty seven, and that ends up being what it was on Wednesday. So, but listen, if don't if people don't want to come out, you can't make them. I'm sure that uh, sixty seven thousand will seem like a, a huge attendance by the time we've played Barnsley next week. Yeah, we'll do. I think you bang on there, uh, Jace. Very quickly, you. We want to try and fit in a Swansea preview as well. So, can you give us your thoughts very quickly on the atmosphere attendance, in your opinion? Well, let's be fair. The thought of getting Tottenham sixty-seven thousand to a game, we've spent how many years with thirty-six thousand as our crowd? So sixty-seven thousand itself isn't exactly a bad number to get to a game, is it? Let's be fair about it. I think you know maybe the way the tickets are sold that that so many people go online for the block booking, book the three games. Maybe there's certain people that just maybe they just assume that well, I mean, there probably be no tickets left. Uh, things like that it's, it's really hard to explain it I'm, I'm sure there has been negativity about Wembley I've never called it a hoodoo I think it, it is about the negativity and the supporters have a lot to do with the, the negativity of Wembley mm. uh, and if we can get three wins in a in a week that will lift everyone's spirits and it was interesting there was no I didn't see too many people on Twitter moaning about how long it took them to get home last night whereas you know against Burnley well, yeah, it's, it's the old thing and, and it just shows you a, a po- couple of positive results and suddenly well do you know what it's quite nice coming to Wembley isn't it mm. so and, and as I've said all year you just got to get on with it I thought the atmosphere at times in the game was fine um, around the, you know, obviously when we scored and the, the fact I think Kane's second goal makes a big difference because we get the early goal and the crowd goes up and then they score quite quickly afterwards and I could just sense people around me saying ah oh, here we go again. We'll, we'll, we'll never get a result here. And and I think there's more negativity and hoodoo element in amongst the crowd than there is in amongst the players. Yeah. And so to get that second goal lifted everyone, and, and that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, you made a great point there, Jace. I mean, we are really the old, only ones that can ultimately change this, this, aren't we? I mean, as fans, we are the ones that go to the game. We have to embrace it. We have to lift the players. And you feel a lot of it is down to us as a fan base to try and really, like I say, get the crowd going and get the players up for it. And, you know, there was times last night, and I, I did share some stuff on Twitter to kind of show there was elements that the game really did take off in terms of the atmosphere. So, fingers crossed, that can continue. Um, I want to fit in a couple of other things, guys, quickly before we go into a Swansea preview. Hugo Lloris, the guy has had some, dis- well, I'd say some criticism for his distribution at times but John very quickly what a great save he made last night it was instinct it came straight at him probably didn't know much about it but John he does save us some vital vital games doesn't he absolutely I think you know if, if that goes in there's 20 minutes to go it's 3-2 it becomes a very very different last 20 minutes especially at Wembley John and we're all on 10 minutes. absolutely I mean I know he got pelters against Chelsea and understandably so you know Timmy chocolate wrists and all that after let their <laughs> winner in, but but there was you know that there was the one against Burnley, wasn't it? That amazing save to his left up by the, the top of the post, and if and you end, you could end up losing the game. So he, he he's I, I think he's he's one of the he's one of the best. I wouldn't swap him for many either, to be honest. And 
you can say, you know, I've heard people say, you know, his, his distribution's worse than DHL and all the rest of it. I know he's got a trouble. <laughs> I know it don't always land on a sixpence, but Glenn Oddle's not in goal. It's Hugo Lloris. Mm. And what he does with his hands, for me, will always be more important. And, uh, yeah, he, he was good last night for what he did have to do. Although, yeah. he, <laughs> although you know, he couldn't do much about Yarmolenko's goal. No. Everything else he done, you know, was, was pretty good. And that save especially was, uh, was superb, yeah. It was. Chase, coming over to you, what's your thoughts on Hugo Lloris? Because at times we have seen some extreme criticism. Um, but again, Chase, we have to bear in mind that, you know, potentially, if his distribution was that great, I don't want to kind of start anything here, would he be at Tottenham, Chase, if he was that, you know, brilliant in all departments? <laughs> well, well, Harry Kane's brilliant in every department. Well, okay. He's still at Tottenham. So, well, true. Um, but uh, no, I know what you mean. You know, every goalkeeper, like any player, there's, there's strengths and weaknesses in everyone. We know that his distribution's not the best, but it, it certainly wasn't a problem last night. And as you say, the the save was a, was a really big save to make at that time, and that's certainly something that he excels at. Those reflex saves that that others don't get down to or don't have the agility to, you know, that yet again he showed that last night with that one save. Yeah, he really did. And um, and we have to say just before we go into that Swansea game, I mean the likes of. Listen, let's not forget the Danny Roses, Victor Wanyama, Eric Lamella, Deli Alley. It just shows, John, when people question maybe the depth in our squad, is that just a little reminder, John, we've still got some important players to come back? And again, I say it, John, the bench, we've had worse benches, haven't we, John? Yeah, um, yeah of course we have. I mean, I remember there was a game when Redknapp was in charge, we had two goalkeepers on the bench. <laughs> and I thought, all right, that probably ended up with us signing Nelson and Saha. So oh, they were days. But yeah, no... Listen, I understand. I understand. You know, the the, the you need game changers on your bench in 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 football nowadays, and it it has been pretty strong last couple of games. I mean, all right, I've had two right backs on there last night, didn't we? And you look at it like that, and you go, oh, maybe it's not as strong as it was. But when you look at it, I know it's not. I you know, I'm being idyllic, really. But you think when everyone's fit and that squad is all they're fit and raring to go, the bench will, will naturally look stronger. And it's not Moussa Sissoko coming on for a cameo. It'll be, you know, it might be Lamella or, or someone else, you know. So, it's a, it's the same old thing. Football ain't played on paper, you know. And I, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. If the players... We didn't need to make substitutions, I don't feel, last night. Everyone kept going. They was all at it. We didn't make a change so there was 10 minutes left. We didn't need to change the game. Just needed maybe just, a, you know, a bit of fresh legs here, here and there. But the, the, our bench is our bench was all right, and our squad's fine, mate. Like you say, when everyone's fit, I know it's not often, but there, there's, there's plenty of plenty of teams who would swap squads with us. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Still got one of the best 11s in the Premier League, and again, we're proving it on the European stage, John. You can't really ask for much more than that at the moment. Um, let's go into Swansea then. Jace, coming over to you. Um, how different is it going to be against Swansea? Obviously, that's a silly question in terms of the opposition. We know it's going to be a lot different, but in terms of the team, Jace. What are we expecting in terms of changes, in your opinion? Well, the, the big conundrum will be, isn't it? Is in many ways will be does does Deli Ali come back and and do you leave Son out? Mm. And if Deli Ali does come back, do you then play four two three one? Because can you leave Son out after that performance? You know, I've, I'm a big Son fan, and I've always said as as good as that wing back system is, it's a hell of a thing to to put a bloke that scored 21 goals on the bench just just to play a a certain system but and when that wing back system works it, it works brilliantly but I, I, you know for me Son has done enough to, to to keep a place so and then then you've got the worry then as I say do you, do you switch to a back four so I think that there are a lot of uh, 
conundrums to in the side. But isn't that a nice, nice option to have? You think you know which which formation we're going to choose? It, it's not being dictated to by us. We've now genuinely got important choices to make. Yeah, nice problem to have, isn't it? Really, um, Jace, coming in. Can we have a prediction from you and tell us what you think? What in terms of the scoreline? Yes, please. Yeah, scoreline be great if you don't mind. I think it will be a really dominant, dominant Tottenham display. I saw Swansea last week and they were horrendous, absolutely horrendous. I'd expect us, it's the type of game that we'll go and win 3-0. And the only reason we won't win it 3-0 is if Flapiansky has a, has a worldie. Oh, God. Don't say that, for God's sake. But no, I know what you mean, Jace. Uh, let's come over to you, John. What's your thoughts on the game in terms of how we're going to line up, John? Do you envisage many changes? Well, I think the one thing that it does do is it gives Paul Clement something to think about. You know, the fact that he doesn't know. Because if, if, if Poch doesn't know yet, no, then for sure the opposition manager don't know yet either. So, I think, you know, same as same as what Jay's just said there, I think, you know, I watched them against Newcastle when they they were terrible. And I think the one big standout disappointment from there, from Swansea's point of view in that game was Renato Sanchez, the amount of times he lost the ball. And when you're when you've had a bad start and you've come with a big reputation, you don't want to be playing against Moussa Dembele next game, do you? I think really. the, the game, we'll, we'll, we'll do them in midfield and I, I can't see anything other than a comfortable win. Even if uh, Flapiansky, as Jay said, does have a world eat, that you, you know, he did. He, he played pretty well against us last season and we won 5-0. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's not 3 or 4 uh, on, at the weekend. OK, and John, very quickly, on the right-back debate, Aurea stick or change for Trippier? I'd keep Aurier in purely because, you know, the games are coming thick and fast between now and the next international break at the beginning of October. So there's opportunity regularly to, to chop and change and to give players enough game time. It's You know, the, the, the beauty of having a, a big and good squad is the fact that you, you can do that. You know, there's plenty of games we're involved in in Europe, you know, all the cups. It's not like it was before where you're having to rush Darren Anderton back from a hamstring injury. Otherwise, you're playing... Uh, Musa Saeed in midfield it's not like that anymore <laughs> and the oh, fact yeah. that the fact that we've got that Barnsley game soon after and the players would have ex- expanded a lot of energy Wednesday night I think a lot of it depends on their recovery and the, the lineup will be di- dictated by the, by that and that'll be you know the most important thing I think and only Potts will know and the players themselves will know how, how quickly they recover from it and you know he's not prepared to, he's not uh, he ain't worried about dropping players if they're you know, if they're not quite up to it physically. So the players that didn't play, a couple of them, maybe Trippier and Winks, maybe you'll get a game. And if they don't, they'll certainly play against Barnsley. So, it's you know, it's not like they've got to wait a week or a fortnight before getting another chance. You go as strong as you can, in my opinion, and then you let, let the, the fringe players have a go at the League Cup. Yeah, I think it's important to the time, Jay, it's coming over to you where everybody, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks is going to see some aspect of game time, Jay, whether that's in the League or in the Cup. Exactly, with that Barnsley game, it gives you a chance to switch them around and, and it also gives us a chance to give Ben Davis a rest and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Walker-Peters get a game at left-back against Barnsley. So I, I think we'll we'll stick with, with Aurier on uh, Saturday. As I say, I think the only the only question mark is does Son keep his place or um, do, we, do we switch to a back four to allow Son to keep his place? Uh, Swansea may well defend deep. Maybe that extra attacking option... On the pitch for me, I'd, I'd quite like to see Ali Son and Ericsson all start on on Saturday. But as I say, it, it's it, it's it's nice. I, I get the feeling whatever system we play will totally dominate the game and win it anyway. So, yeah, 
Fingers crossed. Really, really hope so. Um, John, did I get your prediction there? What was your prediction, John, for the game? Right. I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say four nil. Four nil. Okay. And I, I, Fernando Llorente to score one. Okay. Oh, against the former club. Against his former club. Yeah. Okay. I like it, John. I like it. Why not? Fingers crossed. Who knows? Um, I'm also going to go. I'm going to go for a three nil Spurs. I think we're going to be like Jay said, very dominant. Get the job done. And I feel Kane's going to keep scoring. I've just got a feeling at the moment where every time he's on the pitch, he looks so deadly. So, yeah, Harry Kane to keep scoring. Before we go, Jay's going to come round to you because we have got a winner from the competition we ran for the Serge Aurea home shirt, which I'm sure, like I say, that at the moment, that is going to be really in demand at the uh, Spurs shop. So we'll be getting that very soon for the winner. Jace, you are going to read us out the winner. But, but first, we have to say, guys, again, thank you all so much for getting involved in the competition. And thank you all for your hundreds of emails. Really, really appreciate them all. We did put all of those names into a hat. And Jason did kindly pull out the winner. And Jason, can you give us the winner of the competition to win the Sergiori home shirt, please. We can, but we better give everyone the answer first. Well, yes. Can you um, give us the question and the answer, James? <laughs> first? That's, a good, that's a good way to start. We, we said with Dortmund, obviously a German side playing us on, on Wednesday, who was the first ever German side we played in European competition? And the answer was going back to 1974. And the first German side we played is is very topical because there's 20,000 of their supporters in London as we speak, tearing up the Emirates bowl account. So yeah. um, we don't condone that at all March. whatsoever. No. <laughs> well, bowl accounts are just marching around at the moment. They, just, they, they can't cope with how many of them. No, apparently, there are, apparently, as we are speaking, there are scraps inside the stadium. Apparently, so. oh well, well, but, that might well, be the Wenger out, Wenger in could be. So you, you never know that. But <laughs> it was the sixth of March, nineteen seventy-four, and we won two-two-one out in Cologne, and then beat them three-one, three-nil at home in the second leg. The uh, the winner as we speak, is won by Matt Wilson. And he was on Twitter, at Matty Wilson 1. So that's the winner of the Oreo shirt. And congratulations to him. And I'm sure he won't be the only person with an Oreo shirt in the next few weeks. No, he won't. And Matty, I will be emailing you in due course just to obviously get in touch with you, know your shirt size, so we can get you out of that shirt as soon as possible. Well, hopefully you can wear it. Um, so the next Spurs game, fingers crossed. Right, well, John, it has been an absolute pleasure making your debut tonight. We've really enjoyed having you on, John. No worries, mate. Thank you, yes. I've enjoyed it. Jace, thank you for coming on tonight. It's been a real pleasure. No, no problem, mate. Good to be back. Good, good. And we are going to be back after the game against Swansea. We'll be talking about that and we'll be building up to the game in the Carabao Cup against Barnsley. So look out for that. Guys, before we end as always, have a great weekend. Let's look forward to hopefully three points at Swansea. And as always... Come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.